we go before God's throne. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have allowed us to have. We just pray that your Son, Jesus Christ, will be glorified in our hearts and also in our minds. I pray that you will use me as an instrument to speak your word with clarity and bonus. I also uh, pray, Lord, knowing that whatever I say has no power unless your spirit is in it. So by your spirit, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us as we continue to celebrate Advent and be reminded of what you have done in the person of Jesus Christ. Let his name be glorified and honored in our hearts and also in our minds. And in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, in the spirit of Advent, meaning the meaning coming of Christ, I thought about what I was going to say today. Um, so what I did is I just thought about what particular passage that would communicate us praying with anticipation and also thinking about the birth of Christ when he came into this world. Today's sermon title is Praying with Anticipation. This is the 12th sermon of this series, which is prayer, what difference does it make? And I hope that what we have discussed so far about prayer has been helpful to you, as it has been helpful to me as well. If you glance at Luke chapter 1, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, and look at the very first verse. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Stop right there. That decree was issued to exact taxes from everyone who resided in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was massive. It extended from Italy to far east of Syria and also to the north of Africa. Let's just give you a general idea of how large the Roman Empire was. 
When we think about Caesar Augustus, one thing that I found out in my research is that when Caesar Augustus died, he left in his own handwriting a summary of information, such as statistics on indirect and direct taxation. In other words, he wanted to know how many people he could tax, how many people reside in the Roman Empire. And he did this for monetary gains. However, unbeknownst to Caesar, what is not directly implied in this passage is how God sovereignly orchestrated these events so that his divine plan was accomplished. The sovereignty and providence of God are two repetitive themes that we read in Scripture. The sovereignty of God means that God has absolute control over all things that exist. The providence of God means that not only he has absolute control, but he predestined all things before the foundation of the world to work according to his plan. That means it was ultimately God's will for Caesar Augustus to issue a tax registration that brought Christ to be born in Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus was the ruler of the Roman Empire. However, God was the ruler of Caesar Augustus. My life and your life was ordained by God to accomplish his divine plan. You and I cannot do anything if it's not according to God's will. In this passage, Luke, the author of this book, is telling us how God used Caesar's tax registration to compel Joseph and Mary to migrate from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The city of Nazareth was the hometown of Mary, and the city of Bethlehem was the hometown of Joseph, but they both were descendants of David. I want you to understand the significance of that. God the Father predestined Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, not Nazareth. These events are recorded in Scripture with stunning accuracy. For example, the book of Micah was written 750 years before the birth of Christ. In Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, Micah, uh, God said to Micah, But you, 
O Bethlehem, who are too little among the clans of Judah, among you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of, of old from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. The rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. There are many passages similar to Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But here, in this particular text, we see that Christ was prophesied to be who is the Ancient of Days. who is the ruler of Israel, who was supposed to be, who was born in Bethlehem. He was described as a shepherd and peace for all. I have three points to make. The first point is the anticipation of Joseph and Mary. That's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The second point is the anticipation of the shepherds and angels. That is verses 8 through 20. And the third point, the anticipation of Simeon and Anna, which is in the latter verses of 21 through 40. So this brings us to our first point, the anticipation of Joseph and Mary. The anticipation of Mary was, uh, came about when the angel Gabriel announced to her that she will bear a child even though she was a virgin. She was a teenager when she first heard the news that she was chosen by God the Father to bear and be the mother of the Son of God. From that point on, her life changed drastically. We know that Mary hid herself from public eye for good reasons. She stayed with her cousin Elizabeth for three months during her pregnancy. Think about it. A full-term pregnancy is 39 to 40 weeks. If people would have believed that Mary lost her virginity before marriage, that would have, they would have publicly shamed her. Scripture says, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved, uh, put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, according to Matthew 
chapter 1, verse 18 through 19. According to the Mosaic law, when a woman who was caught in unlawful sexual relations, she was stoned to death. We see that in Jesus' ministry when they brought the adulterer to him. So Mary understood the possibility of people believing that she was an adulterer. So she hid herself so that she won't suffer any personal damage. She did not want people to believe that as scripture described loose women, a woman of the sin uh, of the city who was a sinner. However, we know according to the scripture, none of these perceptions were true. Out of all of the women uh, who existed and will exist, who has given birth and will give birth, only Mary stands alone as the most blessed mother. Not because of who she was, but because of who she gave birth to. Mary cousin, Elizabeth, recognized this truth. She said, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You know, so Joseph dealt with anticipation as well. Joseph, being the stepfather of Jesus, hadn't, couldn't consummate the, his marriage for obvious reasons. But he also had biological children with Mary. Uh, we know that he had at least five children. Uh, they had at least five children together, two daughters and three sons. And that is contrary to the Roman Catholic doctrine that teach, uh, teaches that Mary had, is a, had a perpetual virginity. However, when we think about Joseph, think about the part that he played in the life of Jesus. As, it was, as I mentioned earlier, he was going to divorce Mary until he was told not to by an angel. When he received word by another angel that Herod was going to, Herod was going to find the Messiah to put him to death, he took his family and fled to Egypt. Although scripture doesn't mention Joseph in the gospel, especially when Jesus was an adult during his earthly ministry, Joseph somewhat fade away or fade out of the story. It could have been that he died. And what led me to believe that is what Jesus said in his crucifixion when he told the apostle John, 
take care of your mother. That was the responsibility of a husband or of Joseph if he was alive. But Joseph played an important role. He did what was required of him. He loved Jesus. And I have to admit, being a stepfather or someone else's child makes you a very special man. But he provided for Jesus. He provided for Mary safety and protection. But I can imagine also that when Jesus was born. He was relieved. He was feeling a little bit better. So I heard a story about a guy. It says, for 42 years every week, David Thomas slipped a love letter under the door of his neighbor, Rachel Jones. Each letter attempted to mend the lovers' quarrel that parted them when both were 32. Rachel Jones burned each letter and refused to even speak to her suitor. When David finally summoned the courage to knock on her door and propose, she accepted. Both were 74 years old when they finally took hands. In marriage. You see, Joseph and Mary had to wait. When it comes to anticipation, there is also patience and waiting. Joseph, understanding the circumstances of having to care for his stepchild, Jesus. And Mary, been chosen by God, hiding herself from public eye, and have to wait. And at the same time, anticipation is building up within them. You know, and this is what we see in Scripture. In all verses verses 6 and 7, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. After all this time of fleeing and traveling, here is Jesus. The anticipation is now here. The baby Jesus is now in the manger and the world is now beholding their Savior. Last night as my wife was singing, Mary, did you know 
I started thinking about the lyrics. And there is some significance in those lyrics. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. This is what we see here in the first seven verses of this test. Her baby, who she dearly loved, was for her and is for us the Son of God. And she swaddled her baby in cloths and held him, beholding the very imprint of God himself. Did you know? And I believe that she did. This brings us to our second point, the anticipation of the shepherds and angels. I'm sure many of you have played with binoculars before of how you can zoom in and zoom outwardly, I mean outward. This is what Luke did here in the following verses. Because Luke continues the story of Jesus' birth. We find the setting expanding outward, focusing on the shepherds who was keeping watch over their flock by night. As you look upon these verses, I want you to look upon these verses of of chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. I want you to ask yourself this question. Why did God granted the shepherds the privilege of hearing the message of Christ's birth? Why shepherds? Well, Shepherds were an unlikely group of people in the social class. The Pharisees, who were teachers of the law, looked down upon them. Shepherds, they, weren't, they were not educated, not allowed to give testimony of events. And considered unclean because of their daily job or tasks dealing with livestock. So they could not keep up with all the purification laws. But the reason I believe God chose shepherds is because of their occupation. Their occupation served as a twofold metaphor. God himself promised Israel that he would be their shepherd. And he fulfilled that promise by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And Ezekiel, 
In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 15 through 16 says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I, may, my, I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will find I will feed them justice. Let these worries ring a bell when you think of Christ, because this is exactly what Christ said of himself in John chapter ten. John chapter ten, verse seven through uh, 7 through 10 said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So when you think about Christ's birth, think about that he gave us life. The reason for him to be born, to be incarnated in the person of Jesus is to give us life. Christ came to give us life. We see that God incarnated himself in the person of Jesus Christ, according to our text, a baby who was wrapped in a manger. This is a marvelous passage or a marvelous wonder. The scripture says, Christ Jesus, who though is who was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the point of the cross. You see the significance of Christ's birth. You know, I don't want us to miss this point. Don't gloss over the true meaning of Christmas. Before you pass out gifts to each other, remember that God has given you the ultimate gift that has come into the world, died on the cross so that you and I can be redeemed and justified before God. The shepherds, they had the opportunity 
of sharing in the mo- in that moment of knowing that their Savior arrived. I truly believe that they were devout men. I believe that they is more likely that they were at the temple supplying lambs to the priests. So this is why I say that their occupation served as a two-folded metaphor. Because one, God himself said that he will be a shepherd to Israel. And two, here is the ultimate sacrificial lamb who was born in a manger. And the shepherds just shepherding their flock by night, having lambs to supply to the temple. They understood. They understood. Can I get another mic? Uh, They understood. The point of it. It says, the shepherds not only had the opportunity of sharing in that moment, but according to verses 17 and 18, they saw it. It says, they saw it, they made it known, the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it, Wonder at what the shepherds told them. The shepherds understood why Christ was born into this world and they heard the message from the angels. They heard the message from the angels. Thank you, sir. they do after they heard the message they went back to tend to their flock you know the word angel itself means messenger it means messenger so the angels deliver a message to the shepherds. And the shepherds allow that allow the shepherds to be messengers of the good news. Look at verse 20. It says, And the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it had been told them. They went back to their responsibilities of being the shepherd, but the truth of the matter is, 
And so when they went back to their occupation, they not only told Mary what the angels told them, but they had the opportunity of sharing the same message. When we think about the anticipation of the angels, beloved, I have to say that angels have played a major part in our salvation. Not that they have done any work to contribute to our salvation. Christ did all the work. But in terms of just delivering messages, being obedient to God the Father, they played a major part in that. Why do I say that? One, turn to First Peter chapter one, verse twelve. It says in First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 12. It, is, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from angels, things into which angels long to look. So the angels themselves are waiting and trying to figure out how God has planned beforehand my salvation and your salvation through Christ Jesus. The anticipation of it is building up as of this moment. Because they want to see the ultimate plan of how God is going to reconcile all things to himself. This is why they were obedient. This is why they are delightful in sharing the message to those shepherds. Going back to our text, it says in verse 11, Luke chapter 2, verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. I can tell you one thing for sure. If you and I do not praise God, the angels will. They are praising him now. And they are praising the the ultimate sacrificial lamb, Christ Jesus. And they are around his throne saying, holy, holy, holy. This is true worship. Undefiled worship by the angels. And they were just waiting with great 
anticipation of how everything will come about. This brings me to the last part of these verses, which is the anticipation of Simeon and Anna. Luke chapter 22, verse 40. You know, I spent the somewhat fair amount of time on the first two points, but I'm not going to spend a great deal on these. But I want you to realize something. Take you look at look at verse twenty six. Let's start there. Luke chapter two, verse twenty six. And said it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he I mean before he had seen the Lord Christ Jesus. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for your eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is a marvelous prayer. Actually, this is more of a praise report for Simeon. We can only imagine or come up with some type of verbiage of what he prayed to the Lord. Or what words he used to pray to the Lord. But one thing is for sure. He prayed to the Lord that he would not see death until he seen the Savior of the world. This is evident here in this text. You know, sometimes I think to myself, I say, you know, this is me talking to myself, Travis. One day you would die. You do not know when. You would not know how. But one thing is for sure, you will die. Simeon couldn't say this. Because it was promised to him that he would not die until he had seen the Savior. He knew when he was going to die. Because it was revealed to him by God the Holy Spirit. Simeon knew the definite time and when he was going to pass away. We don't know too much about Simeon um, other than what Luke disclosed to us. We know that he was a devout man. It doesn't say that he's a priest. He could have been. But one thing I know that speculates to me that he may not have been a priest is verse 26. That he came into, I mean, 27, and he came into the spirit into the temple. He could have been, pre, uh, been led there by God the Holy Spirit on the outer courts of the temple, and he could have noticed, well, he noticed that Mary and Joseph had their child, Jesus. 
their newborn child, who was only eight days old. The test is not as clear as it should be. But one thing is for sure. When he held up Jesus in his arms, it was revealed to him that, that, that Jesus was the Messiah, that he is the one who will bring salvation to all peoples, that he is the light for Israel and for the Gentiles. says in verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, as I continue to ponder on this and as I was pondering on it last night, I know that the reason for Christ to be born is to bring people to himself. And God would draw all people to himself through Christ Jesus for those who believe in him. He is the Savior of the world. I want you to glance at verse 34. It says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is supposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. God the Holy Spirit is speaking through Simeon to Mary and Joseph, but more particularly to Mary. And he is telling her that her baby child will rise and fall. And what that means for Mary, she's going to be devastated. She is going to be devastated. Because it says that the sword will pierce her own soul. If you backtrack a little bit and look at verses... Verses... 18 and 19, verses 19 says, Mary treasure up all these things and pondering them in her heart. So she heard the message from the shepherds. It was time for baby Jesus to be circumcised. Well, he was circumcised on the eighth day. But for purification, they offer up two turtle doves. So they took him to the temple and now they're hearing Simeon. I don't know what really went through Mary's thoughts. I don't know how much it affected her. When she received the news from an angel that she would bear a child, now receiving more news from shepherds, and she pondering these things in her own heart, now Simeon is telling her that a sword would pierce her own soul. But one thing I do know is that Mary loved her son. 
She loved her son. And what we also see in verse 36 in the remaining verses, Anna. It says, And there was a prophetess Anna of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting, uh, with fasting and praying night and day. And the coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to seek, speak to him, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here is an 84-year-old woman who was fasting and praying night and day until she had seen the redemption of Israel. And God granted her that promise. Her anticipation built was building up for 84 years. And when she came to the temple, she was relieved. Mothers, you understand this truth. When we talk about anticipation, how long was it for you? Or how much anticipation was it for you when you carry your children? And until that final day, your child was born. You waited patiently with great anticipation. And this is what we see here in these verses. The entire world waited with great anticipation for Christ's birth. And these characters, these people that we read in Scripture, they waited for the redemption of Israel. Don't miss this important truth. That Christ, you know, for us, Scripture says today is the day of salvation. We have no more anticipation for Christ to come in the sense of his birth. We do have anticipation of him coming again. And even still, we still have a greater sense of anticipation because we rather will be with Christ than be here on earth. But at the same time, our anticipation has been finalized because you and I are sealed with Christ. We are sealed. We have the longing to be with him, but at the same time, we know the anticipation for redemption is now. There's no more waiting to be saved. It is now. 